The reading for today is the 126th Psalm. Hear the word of God. When the God restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap the shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the sea for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they may declare my praise. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of the Lord endures forever. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When Disney announced they were launching a streaming platform last year, I first thought, really? Another streaming platform? But then I thought, well, actually, it might be kind of nice to have all the Marvel and Star Wars content whenever I want. So surprised that I immediately subscribed for a year-long subscription. When the streaming service finally went live, it actually wasn't a Marvel or Star Wars film I watched. It was an old movie that aired on the Disney Channel when I was a kid. It's called Johnny Tsunami. It was great. Watching that movie from my younger years gave me a certain feeling. It invoked something deep within me. Almost like a time machine, it transported me to a different moment in my life. It brought me to a different place when I was a kid again, when I had much less responsibilities, when my siblings all lived at home, and when all my tios y tias y primos y primas would get together all the time, when life seemed so much simpler to my young self, when I felt safe. Does that ever happen to you? Are you ever transported to another time, another moment in your life? There are times when this feeling comes all on its own, uncalled for, it just bursts from out of nowhere. Sometimes it's a film or picture that brings me back. But then there are those other times when I yearn to feel like I was a kid again, transported to a different time. There's a word we have for this. Nostalgia. 
The funny thing about nostalgia is that it doesn't only happen to us as individuals. There's a collective nostalgia too. I can't tell you about how many times I've heard someone say, well, in the good old days, pointing toward a time when things were better. I can't tell you the times I've heard this in churches or in conversations reflecting on our country's past. In the movie Midnight in Paris, one of the characters reflects on the erroneous golden age thinking where one believes a different age was better than the one they are currently living in. And he says, nostalgia is denial. Denial of the painful present. You see, memory is a fickle thing. I often find that it's easier to remember the good moments and then try and forget the bad. One might call it selective memory. I love this picture of our family all together smiling, but what people don't know and what I don't like to tell people is what happened on that day after we took that photo. You see, not only do we remember what we want to remember, but often certain feelings can distort what we remember. As a society, our collective narratives of history have also become selective. They are often tainted, having been filtered through the lens of power and privilege. Where our selective memories seem to push aside those painful and dehumanizing stories of colonization, slavery, misogyny, and internment, just to name a very few. It often seems that the selective memory for some has shaped the narrative for all so much, in fact, our society seems to have developed an amnesia. The good old days becomes a cry for a return to what is known, what is comfortable, what is safe, at least perhaps for the privileged, all the while ignoring the plight that these same days brought to many others. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev, in the psalm we heard this morning, the first three verses look back on the history of the people of Israel with joy and happiness, declaring the Lord has done great things. But did you notice that there is a shift halfway through the psalm? Their joy seemingly taken away from them as they long for God to restore them to better days. In many Bibles, there's actually a literal space between verses 3 and 4, a gap. This space that perhaps gives us a pause to wonder what has happened to the people of Israel? What has taken away their laughter and shouts of joy? In our passage from the book of Isaiah, we encounter the prophet's words to a people in exile. Jerusalem had been raised and the temple destroyed. The Babylonians ruled the land and God's people had been deported, displaced, and scattered. So the prophet's words begin by reminding the people of God's faithfulness in their history. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. 
words that would have brought to mind God's saving acts. But then the prophet does something so out of character, contradicting words that came before and words that are to follow. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? The people of Israel, we are capable, we are people of the book. And throughout the sacred book are the stories that animate our faith. Stories that we return to again and again. Stories to remember who we are and whose we are. But in this moment, the prophet does something. Scholars suggest these words were used as a rhetorical device. One scholar even goes so far to say that Isaiah knew the people needed to be shocked out of an exile-induced comfort and lethargy. The point where a nostalgic relation to tradition threatens to tie the people to their past and stunt their alertness to present realities, responsiveness to new opportunities, and the potential for growth into yet unrealized possibilities. Yes, we are a people of the word called not only to remember these stories, but to be formed by them. Because God's story is so intimately woven with ours. But the prophet here warns us and cautions us against a remembering that becomes an idolatry. A remembering that fails to perceive that God is doing a new thing. A remembering that fails to imagine what God could be up to. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Would you believe me if I told you that in 1966, 63% of Americans had a negative opinion of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And that his assassination sprang from the deep hostility with which he was viewed not only by a fringe radical minority, but the majority of American citizens. Dr. King marched forward, literally, regardless of what others thought, because he believed in something, in someone that moved him towards a greater vision, a beloved community, something so unimaginable in his time. One of the greatest stumbling blocks, you see, to seeing God do a new thing is thinking that God's always going to show up the same way as before. So often in life, we find ourselves held captive to selective memories that hold us back, that put our vision of God, of, for who God is and what God is capable of in tiny little boxes that we can store on a shelf. As we ponder our lives in this unusual moment, marked by a global pandemic, a climate crisis, racism and white supremacy, transphobia, homophobia, and sexism, hatred, and violence. The prophet Isaiah invites us to let go of the little boxes we've constructed. And it can be scary. It can be hard. But think with me about the image that the prophet paints. Water 
in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. It's life abundant for you, for me, for them, for all of creation. It's an image for life sustained and nourished by the steadfast love of God, a love that knows no bounds. This image tells us that this world, our current reality, is not the way things are supposed to be. The biblical vision imagines a movement that flows like rivers in the desert, bringing healing, restoration, and renewal. And it begins with us. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Like the psalmist, we lament and we cry out to God, restore us. Rev. Kayla reminded us a couple of weeks back that hope arises out of our lament. But, but this hope, it is not stagnant. So wise teacher and theologian Dr. Willie Jennings remarks, hope is not a sentiment. Hope is a discipline. With the prophet's words that speak to us today and the spirit guiding us, urging us, moving us, and inviting us to imagine not only restoration, but renewal and resurrection. In short, to practice the discipline of hope. And those who go out weeping, Bearing the seed of foresowing shall come home with shouts of joy carrying their sheaves. My friends, we are, after all, resurrection people, marked by something so unimaginable, so unthinkable. From death, life. Jesus' death and resurrection isn't just a story in a book. It's a reality, a power we are called to live into and claim as followers of Christ. God is doing a new thing all around us. We just need to imagine the unimaginable, enjoying God's movement in the world. I lean into the words of the poet, Aurora Levens Morales, who reimagines the biblical vision from our Hebrew scriptures in a selection from her poem, Va'ahavta. Say these words when you lie down and when you rise up, when you go out and when you return, in times of mourning and in times of joy. Inscribe them on your doorposts, embroider them on your garments, tattoo them on your shoulders, teach them to your children, your neighbors, your enemies, recite them in your sleep. Here in the cruel shadow of empire, another world is possible. When you inhale and when you exhale, breathe the possibility of another world into the 37.2 trillion cells of your body until it shines with hope. Then imagine more. Imagine rape is unimaginable. Imagine war is a scarcely credible rumor that the crimes of our age, the grotesque inhumanities of greed, the sheer and astounding shamelessness of it, 
the vast fortunes made by stealing lives, the horrible normalcy it came to have is unimaginable to our heirs, the generation of the free. Don't waver. Don't let despair sink its sharp teeth into the throat with which you sing. Escalate your dreams. Make them burn so fiercely that you can follow them down any dark alleyway of history and not lose your way. Make them burn clear as a starry drinking gourd over the grim fog of exhaustion and keep walking. Hold hands, share water, keep imagining so that we and the children of our children's children may live. My friends, God is doing a new thing so that we may praise God. May we be open to this Spirit's movement. May we embrace the unknown with confidence in the one who again and again shows us how deep and wide the love of God stretches. Imagine the unimaginable. It's happening all around us, even within us. Do you not perceive it? In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray now in this time of unrest, seeking the living God who listens for us and to us. Holy God, who is making all things bright and new, whose spirit is poured out upon all flesh, whose children you empower to prophesy, whose young see vision and whose elders dream new dreams, we cry out to you on this summer Sunday. Where else shall we go, O Savior? For all else seems to have failed us. You alone bear the words of eternal life. You came that we might have life, have it abundantly and flourish in this world, that we might live in community wrapped in bounds of bonds of energy, of mercy, of industry and compassion. But that abundance eludes far too many of us. God, hate and rage and bigotry are close by. A mean and dreadful sorrow hangs over all of us. Our incessant news cycles are filled with gloom. And so our hearts ache as we make our way through a pandemic and its phases. And each day, each week, we seem to reach yet a new grim milestone. But as we navigate this new threat, old perils linger. Communities of color bear the uneven weight of this new virus, and racialized violence and systemic injustice persist and lurks in our communities and just outside the doors of our lives. The names haunt us, Rihanna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and Rashad Brooks. We add them to a litany of names far too long, and we grieve their deaths. God, we are slow to confront our complicity. We are slow to acknowledge our investment in forms of superiority and of white dominance. Too often we continue as though nothing has happened, yet gaping wounds in our community are open. This we, God, we name is our sin. 
many of us lament and strive against that sin and sorrow. So help us, O God, empower us to continue a new work with diligence and faith. Many waver and are unconvinced there is any problem. So remove our hearts of stone, O God of grace, and replace them with hearts of living flesh that are softened toward the siblings that surround us, who surround us. Help us to reckon not only with our personal feelings, but also with our institutional and national history, the ways even the church has helped create systems of inequity. By your spirit, help us to live corporately into our creeds and confessions as Presbyterians and provide sanctuary and create a world where all God's children can flourish. Oh God, bind us together as a church first to listen, to be attentive, to be aware of all that goes on in the community in which we are immersed. Teach us new truths and old ways. Embolden us to action, reflection, and a new spirit of humility. First, bid us to listen, to observe, and then to act as allies in the shape of justice and peace. And God, as our Presbyterian Church gathers in General Assembly this weekend, we ask that you would bind together our leaders, our clergy, our commissioners, and put us on a path toward mercy and justice. Help them as they shape the programs and policies that in turn shape the life of our church together and bind us together as one denomination. God of all new things, hear us on this summer Sunday as we wrap our lives in the heart and witness of Jesus Christ, who taught us as we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever.